Hey everybody, my name is Alex, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio, Sunday edition. Thanks to everybody who listened to the episode on Pompoco. I really, I was really surprised where that, where thinking about that movie into a microphone took me, because when I stopped and thought about it, it recontextualized it a lot, but if you haven't heard that episode, you can, um, it's a previous episode in the feed wherever, on whatever you're using to listen to me right now, so definitely go check it out. That said, what I want to talk about on this Sunday edition is something that I've probably brought up a lot, but never never done a, like, focused episode on, and that is anime music. And the reason why I want to talk about anime music is a couple things. First, it's it's really odd. It's actually odder than you think. The concept of a soundtrack to any piece of media is odder than you think. Because part of part of creating good entertainment is crafting a reality. And it's part of creating good animation is like about sliding all the pieces of reality together in such a way that it that it reminds you of the real world, but is capable of doing things that you, that just aren't possible in the real world. Like um, in animation, people regularly fly. You, people can't fly in the real world. For a really stupid example. But part of that is, but part of doing that kind of heightening of a situation is done by music because music is a bad podcast ad for um, this like for this music for this like podcast that uses Amazon HD uses Amazon Music HD as the like marketing hook for this bad podcast where they like talk about music but what they kind of get right in that ad is they talk about the effect music can have on you music can music is one of the few things that's not a mind-altering substance that can put you in one state or another it can calm you down it can hype you up it can make you cry, it can make you laugh, it can make you do both at once. Um, and I, I believe it or not, am actually a trained radio DJ. And I've, I've always really loved music. Um, when I was in high school, there, there weren't any music streaming services. So the way most of us listen to music now is we subscribe to some service, be it Spotify, be it Google Music, be it Apple Music. Um, And that's how tons of people get their music. And it's, 
it affords you access to a huge amount of to an infinite number of songs, but none of which you actually own. Um, when I was in high school, it was very much still like you bought you. Well, okay. When I was a kid, I had a tape player, and you know, kid cassette tapes were the thing. And then when I like I hit my early teens, I got a CD player. And then by the time I was in high school, it was it became this like the iPhone had started to become a thing. That not the iPhone, but the iPad, the iPod, was a thing at that point. Only I, and I still do to a certain extent. Although I have stopped doing it for just the sake of doing it, I was a very into not doing the thing everyone else was doing in high school. So I actually, instead of having an iPod, I had a Zune. And one of the things that you got with a Zune is you got the first concept of a music streaming service, which was, um, I forget what it was called. It was called, like, Zune Live or something. And you subscribed to it for however much a month I got it as a gift, so I subscribed to it on a yearly basis. And you had access to the entire library of Zune music to de- to download but not to own basically so you de- so you told Zune what music you wanted it download it downloaded it and you just had it until you um until you stopped paying the subscription and this uh, this enabled um all kinds of cool things actually that you could do in the Z- in the Zune e- ecosystem, and I'm talking about this for a reason, because I'll, but I'll get back to it. That you could do in the Zune ecosystem that you still can't do. So you could, if somebody else had a Zune, which one other person I knew did, you could share music with them. Like you could send them a song, and there are all kinds of like weird little rules and all this other stuff. But it was a really cool really music-centric experience. And the reason why I love that is because I deeply love music. And for my favorite shows, a big aspect of my favorite shows is the music. So um, I talked about in the Eureka 7 High Evolution episode, the the music of Eureka 7 is a huge part of it. And that's because the music in that show is... It, there are characters in Eureka 7 who are DJs and who are really into... And all the characters have really specific tastes in music. And they they point that out and they they basically show you that in that show. And then the music in that show also, um, it reflects that, like, um, 
when you meet Charles and Ray Beans, is you meet them jamming out in front of a spe- in front of two giant speakers at like a pop up rave, and it the music for Eureka Seven helps it be more than it is because it helps establish at times this like emotional resonance that it that you wouldn't have. In particular that Charles and Ray Beam's like introduction is this point at which Vention is at his lowest and he wakes up to this awesome like pop like I said, pop up rave and the music and the music is the thing that like bring that like changes his mood and like he he kind of like he had this moment of realization like there are still good things in the world and he starts like jamming out slightly to the music and later when Charles is talking about music talking about that song I think in that episode you can, like, hear this, like, like old music junkie talking about, like, a new song and, like, a new interpretation of a song in a way that really... So, Eureka 7, and I, I really like Eureka 7. I know it has its faults, and there are people who just can't tolerate it, but it's one of my favorite shows, so... And I'm the person who hosts the podcast, so deal with that. But it, Eureka 7 had this real understanding of what makes culture and, like, how you make, how you effectively emulate a culture. And what that allows it to do is take all the different parts of other cultures and craft its own kind of almost unique version of surfer culture combined with rave culture combined with like ex-military culture that becomes this weird interesting unique thing and a huge part of the way it does that is through the music of the show um some of the anime that we that the anime community absolutely loves. The standout part of it is the music. FLCL is this punk rock sorry, like I don't know that one. Awesome sorry. It's this awesome punk rock thing and it is a it it is largely supported by the music for that show. And the without the music to FLCL, FLCL is functionally different. And when I conceived of this, I really wanted to not focus on the opening ending theme conversation that is that is about anime music that happens involving anime music all the time, because those are the things that people focus on constantly. And at this point, I want to talk about um, Megalobox. 
Because Megalobox is a anniversary project. It is, I believe it's a 50-year anniversary project for um, Tomorrow's Joe or Ashita no Joe. And what they did with it is... What they did with it was what they one of the best things they could have possibly done, which is they catapulted that show's concept just immediately into the future, but they treated it as if it were this legacy project that they and they did all kinds of cool ass things with it. They um. So the first thing, the first notable thing they did was they created this, like, you know, they created this future fail, this failed future universe that's really rich and interesting. I'm actually slowly rewatching it. But then they, in the animation process in that show, they... Um, what's it called? They made the whole thing in HD and then downredded it, and have and have committed to never releasing the full HD version. You just get the like crappy '90s anime look version, and that's on purpose because they're going for this retro look. So they so you feel like it's a almost a revival, almost a re-release of something that came out in the 90s, and that those were the best masters they had. But the other really interesting thing that they do with it is the music in that show is, like, it's this stunning blend of, like, a serial, of, like, this ethereal hip-hop sound that is... It's got this, like... Chill beat, chill lo-fi beats to study slash sleep to vibe, but like in an application that's like, oh, this is useful. This is helping the story, and that combined with the kind of like underground rap style of some of the um of some of the backing tracks of that show is really it it makes the show more interesting to watch. Now, weirdly enough for that show, the opening theme song in that show is kind of garbage. The ending theme song is fun, but it, it feels... It feels... at odds with a lot of the show with the rest of the soundtrack of the show because it's this, like, upbeat, catchy tune when you've been listening to for the most of that show, this, like like I said, lo- lo-fi beats to chill slash study to esque um, soundtrack. And it... But what that does, what that... Um, with that application of soundtrack does it, 
if it does this weird thing of like letting you know you're in the ending or you're in the opening and then the middle is really where they use the music to like bring you up or down along with Joe as a character and it's it's really excellent. If you haven't seen it seen um Megalobox, you should really fucking check it out. It's wild. Now, here's what I do want to talk about the opening and ending, because I just said the opening and ending of Ashida no Joe of um Megalobox it are kind of disappointing when held up to the sound the rest of the soundtrack of that show. Because the rest of the soundtrack of that show is so phenomenal. Uh There are thing the the thing that a good opening or ending for a anime can do is it can make it can set you up to enjoy it more than you would to begin with. So, and I've talked about this before. Probably the best example of this is Dimension W. Dimension W is a sci-fi sh- a sci-fi show that was actually like, um. The ma- the manga was sourced by Funimation. Like, for- Dimension W was Funimation's attempt at getting into like content discovery, like content discovery, and sourcing. And Dimension W was fun was Funimation, at Funimation as an American company, attempt at like creating an end to end property that they own. And they created, and they did this stunning um, opening that is this, like, this, basically this music video that is, has Mabashi, the main character, dancing by himself intermittently throughout the thing. And it's this absolutely, it's an absolutely incredible opening. From the animation cuts to the timing to the music, it is an incredible opening. And it's, um, it uses a Stereo Dive Foundation song, um, called Genesis, which you can go get on iTunes. Um, well, I'll probably, don't worry, I'll fucking get to iTunes, that'll probably be where we end this. And, it hypes you up for this show and it kind of makes the show. But then in the English dub, they didn't get the rights. And so, like, one wrinkle in this is music licensing has always been notoriously shitty, but for whatever reason, when you get into Japanese music licensing, it gets fucking worse. And what very clearly happened for the, to that show is they got the rights for the English subtitle version of their own show, which, of course, they did. But they didn't get the rights for the dub. For the English dub. And it's just like, when you watch that show dubbed, it, the floor drops out from under it, almost, because you're like, oh, I'm not getting this opening. Because that opening keeps it, gives it this light adventure quality that it just doesn't have 
when you don't get that opening and it makes the whole show makes each episode feel functionally different which is wild and um another show that happens with is um Eden of the East and Eden of the East and I should mention also that these they're both um Dimension W and Eden of the East have very little music in the show because the um thing that the thing is the lo-fi chill beats to uh, lo-fi beats to hill to chill slash study to feel that um megalobox has and the techno and the like the the techno and like slight butt rock feel that um that um Elreka Seven have the things those two things do those two soundtracks do in their shows is they is they establish this like they establish this emotional vibe and mood that heighten that adds to the visuals because it, so if you've ever seen one of those old one of the old original Godzilla movies that was dubbed badly it's this like funny thing where like the characters were, were, and it's so extreme the characters like are talking a mile a minute and they and their mouths move for longer than the words come out of them and that's just and it's played off as a comedy thing but it's really not a important part of the illusion that animation is painting is timing and timing synced to sound originally if you were making animation in a traditional way you'd start with a soundtrack and that would be your kind of that would be your time blueprint for okay this action needs to happen here this action needs to happen here this action needs to happen here. And it, Japanese animation happens almost in the reverse. But if you... But in key points, um, keep your hands off Aizuken actually does an incredible job of this. That whenever you're going into... um they're like fantasy concepting world in that show. You hear this like hoo and then all of a sudden everything kind of turns into graph paper and like get and like concept sketches around them and that and for the entire time you're in that universe, in that like concept universe in that show, that that this is like backing track of like just gives you this like a adventure adventure as a child is in the woods in summer vibe <laughs> it's the best way i can describe it and that like megalobox and record seven is using the music to bring you into the headspace that the show wants you in. And 
when you don't use a whole lot of music in your show proper, you really only have two two opportunities to do that. You have the opening and you have the ending. And there are tons of shows that don't have a whole lot of music in them that use the opening and ending in that way. Um, what's it called? Um, Fire Force does this. The opening and ending establish a mood that carries you through that carries through each episode of that sh- of that show, but that means the opening and ending to those shows are a really important part. And if you take them away, you've got a huge problem. But because of music licensing for both Eden of the East and um, Dimension W. In the dub, Eden of the East, like, really ethereal-themed song by um, Incub- by the band Incubus, it, it just, like, it vanishes. Like, it's th- that feel vanishes, and the, the show feels the same, but it feels lesser. And that's true of... Um, Dimension W2. Now, the last show I want to talk about in this regard is Nana. And Nana uses music in a very specific way because it is about the creation of music. And uh, it... Actually, the last show I want to talk about listeners, but we'll get there. Uh, Nana is... This is a show where music is, and Beck Mongolian Chaff Squad does this too, where music is being made. So you hear a lot of the, you hear a lot of pieces of songs over and over again, and you hear a lot of the performance of the same song over and over again, and the opening and ending of those of. Nana, the openings and endings of Nana, established this, are deeply related to the headspace of the show and where the show is starting and where the show will end up. And that show is, spoilers for Nana, I guess, it is a tragedy. It is this, it... It is this uniquely 21st century tragedy of French, of the loss of friendship and the loss of friends and looking back on your life and realizing that you may have made a wrong turn, but there's nothing you can do about it. And it, the like punk rock, like, Sid Vicious, like, um, Sex Pistols, Doomed Lover vibe that that show puts off is for a reason. And, like, they, um, so, Ayanawa, the creator of, um, Nana, her, her, not more popular creation, because Nana was insanely popular, but more 
infamous creation was a short-run series called Paradise Kiss. And I've reviewed Paradise Kiss. You can go listen to the review in um, whatever you're using to listen to me right now in the feed. But it, it establishes this, like, art this like artsy vibe where it 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 it's kind of you see the you see the like you see the linking you you see the links in the chain of like fashion culture to music culture to pop culture very clearly in that show and you don't you never you never hear the music cue in that show is basically like this is the unstable relationship sex music but you and you never hear like the um music that Arashi plays but you can hear it in your head that's how strong the his style that's how much his style um with how much his style is kind of pinpointed. And Nana is kind of the, like, fleshing out of that punk rock style into a whole universe of a story. And so I want to end with listeners here, because if, um, was if Eureka 7 is the successful application of is is a successful application of a soundtrack to heighten a show and to like add thing and a soundtrack that adds things to a show that w- wouldn't be there otherwise the soundtrack that is used what they call di- diegetically in the show which means that like Many times when you hear music in Eureka 7, you're actually hearing it. You're, it is not like, um, non-diegetic music is just like backing, it's like a background track for where it's coming from the fantasy of the show. Uh, Diegetic music is like someone pushes a play button. And that happens constantly in um, Eureka 7. But Listeners is the same, it's actually done by the same people in Eureka 7, but it just doesn't. It has this reverence for music, but not this awareness of it, if that makes any sense. And it is. It's a. A, the show has a awesome opening and an awesome ending, but the middle of a show that's supposed to be about fighting with rock and roll just doesn't have a whole lot. <laughs> and it doesn't... And... It doesn't... It just doesn't... Because they've... Because they... These... The same creative team that brought you a record seven had now come back and basically said like one of our biggest one of our greatest achievements with a record seven was 
the treatment of music culture, and we're still really interested in that. So we did this new show, and it just, like, it just doesn't, it's just not there. And the reason that's not there is specifically because the music isn't there. And they built, they have built this show that's, that, they built this show that in the same way, they built a show that you watch and you're like, I could, I feel like I want to go watch Beck Mongolian Chop Squad instead because, and actually that's where I'm going to end because Beck is a really unique um, treatment of this. Beck is a show about starting and about becoming a really successful indie band, like an infamous indie band. And, but the thing they do perfectly in Beck is, it's not, especially the, the, especially the manga, not necessarily the show. The show is a little too short to do this well. Is it, Create that mood of, like, being a revered musician who doesn't care about reverence, ultimately. And in the process, it creates this world of music where, like, you meet this stand-in character who's supposed to represent Kurt Cobain. You meet this, like, this, like, Trent Reznor stand-in. And but it's all done with such a knowledge of music culture and of like where music is that it that where where music is and where music can go that is stunning and the um and Harold and Harold um Harold um I forget the last name of the mangaka but he like he makes every he makes every manga chapter i catch like a recreation of usually a red hot chili peppers album honestly but sometimes it's beatles sometimes red hot chili peppers they recreate a a um beck album cover a literal like the artist beck not the manga beck and so when they made the anime, they knew they had to knock it out of the park. And so they got the pillows. They they, they did the things you now do when you want to make a like really good anime soundtrack. And they they opened that show with I was made to hit in America and that's like this awesome indie rock sounding opening and it's just it just slaps you in the face and it's the best and they shoot it like and they shoot the entire opening is shot and animated like a music video from the cuts to like the the look and feel um and it to the animation and it's it, it, the soundtrack to that show provides with the story had granted effectively um, kind of 
made up for, which is the soundtrack of a story about musicians. And that's what Listeners is missing. Listeners is about, it's supposed to be about, like, it's supposed to be this, like, rock and roll will save the world freaking story, but without any rock and roll in it, really. And the reason why I wanted to make this was, like I said at the top, why I wanted to do this episode, like I said at the top, a anime music is a really important part of not just convincing you of the world, but kind of controlling your emotions along the way. And if you notice, I haven't reckon, I haven't brought up the like infamous example of great anime music, and that is um, Cowboy Bebop. And that's because when you talk about Cowboy Bebop, you end up music, you end up talking about Cowboy Bebop music. And the Cowboy Bebop is a great show, don't get me wrong. The movie is phenomenal too. And so is the music, but... That I didn't want to focus on that because in the shows I talked about, do a lot of what Cowboy Bebop is doing, but with different genres. Jazz is this inherent, like the jazzy soundtrack of Cowboy Bebop is, and you know, I would never disparage Yoko Kano. I think her work is incredible, but it is inherently laden with emotion and it is easy to get emotion out of jazz. What the shows I talked about have done is they've taken the kind of genres of music that the like modern genres of music that we all listen to and we all live with, we all walk around pumping into our heads all the time and they apply them in a way that is that heightens our experience of whatever we're seeing. And that's really what listener doesn't do. It doesn't like it doesn't feel like it heightens the experience as you're going along. And real and but actually what I really want to end hilariously is Jujutsu Kaisen, the um latest hot shonen anime, they went on record as saying they wanted a hip-hop soundtrack to that show. And the opening of that show is a pretty traditional anime opening. But the ending is this, like, it's a song called Lost in Paradise, and it is this jazzy, awesome, like, fun ending with, like, the character all dancing to the ending in this, like, almost, like, fashion concept drawing, in this, like, fashion designer drawing version of all these characters. And it's this really fun, stunning music video that they made with these characters. It's great. But the, like, the reason why they wanted a hip-hop feel to that show is because they... 
thought that it, it would add to that show and give that show a new dimension. And they they realized that they could use the kind of swagger of hip-hop to give that show something that it it, it couldn't have otherwise. And that's a really interesting thought process. And I, I just, like, I that got me really interested in thinking of Anim, of music and anime is something other than just the opening and ending, which, like I said, is insanely important, but is less... But is... It's the thing we gravitate to all the time. It's the thing we gravitate to when we're talking about anime music is this, like, oh, that's a really great opening for this season of Naruto. Oh, that's a terrible opening for the season of Naruto or I like the song but I hate the visuals for the season of Naruto um and that's just it's not it's reductive of what the music in in anime or in animation is capable of so you know next time you're watching a show and you if you like it listen to what's happening in the background listen to that Listen to that's why, you know. There are key points in Jujutsu Kaisen already where they use a few, like, where they use a few, like, hip-hop bars, where you can feel a few hip-hop bars kind of leak through, and it changes the feel and swagger of the show. Um, but on that note, um, this is where I'm actually going to end it. If you like this episode, if you like this episode, you can rate and review it in whatever you need to listen to me right now. If you are interested in, let's say, the X-Men comic book from the mid-70s, um, me, my friend Lauren, and Larry all have a podcast about that called The Uncanny Curve. You can also find that in whatever you need to listen to me right now by searching The Uncanny Curve podcast. We are working really hard on it, and um, we hope that people like it enough to subscribe and listen week to week. Um, so definitely go check that out. But um, until Thursday, I've been Alex. You've been listening to Lunchbox Radio's Sunday edition, and I'll talk to you then. <laughs>